Let's stand and ask the Lord's blessing upon our study this evening. Our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee that uh, we are thy children by thy grace uh, through uh, a miraculous adoption uh, that we have been uh, brought into the family of God. And we ask uh, that thou would uh, give to us as we proceed through the study this evening and in subsequent studies, talking about who is our Father, and that, Lord, we would be uh, brought to acknowledge that apart from faith in Jesus Christ, God is not our Father, but uh, through faith in, in Jesus Christ, we are united to Christ as our, as our elder brother, and to thee as our Father. And we ask, Lord, that, that uh, thou would give to us great joy and delight uh, in knowing uh, who is our Father. In spite of, Lord, the failures of all of us who are fathers here upon the earth, thou art a Father who never fails us, who loves us always. And we do praise thee and thank thee even as we come before thee today in Jesus name amen we're going to be focusing upon John 8 just one verse verse 44 but let's begin reading at verse 33 just to pick up the context so John eight thirty three through forty four. <clears throat> they answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God this did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. They said to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, 
but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. In our previous study, the Jews had proudly asserted that Abraham was their father, and they meant in a physical sense, uh, uh, by way of bloodline, that he was their father. Jesus doesn't deny that physical relationship that they have with Abraham. In verse 37, he says, I know that ye are Abraham's seed. However, there was a far more important relationship to Abraham uh, that these Jews had entirely missed. A spiritual relationship as the father of all who believe. That's what Paul says concerning Abraham in Romans 4, that he is the father of all who believe because he believed God and God accounted that for righteousness. He was justified, declared righteous by way of his faith and trust in God. And so that they did not have, the Jews that are speaking here to the Lord Jesus, that they did not have. And they evidenced it because they wanted to kill Jesus. Uh, because he who was sent by the Father uh, and, and had the truth uh, to proclaim to them, uh, they did not love him. Therefore, they did not evidence that they loved the Father. And so that relationship was merely a, an assertion, a mere claim on the part of the Jews to have uh, the truest relationship to Abraham. Uh, they did not enjoy that. Jesus, in effect, says, uh, Abraham, and he goes on to say this in verse 56, where we have not gotten to that place yet, but uh, Abraham, if Abraham were truly your father, uh, uh, you would rejoice like Abraham. Abraham rejoiced to see my day, Jesus says, to see my coming. Uh, he rejoiced in that. You don't rejoice in that. Uh, therefore, you're not truly Abraham's children, though you profess to be, though you have the outward profession that you are. And by way of physical descent, yes, you are, but that's all. And then in verse 41, the Jews claim that God is their father because God called their nation uh, his son. Uh, they call uh, the prophets and, and God himself uh, uh, claim and, and uh, bestow that national sonship upon uh, Israel. And so that God calls Israel my son, and they, the prophets referred to God as their father. So there was, again, uh, in one sense, uh, that God was their father. Uh, 
he had entered into a covenant with them at Mount Sinai. And so there was that sense in which God was their father. But again, it was merely in an outward sense uh, of covenantal union. It was not by way of an inward covenant that they had made with God. And so Jesus responds by saying that it was God the Father that sent him. And, and uh, if they received the Father, they would receive him because he was sent by the Father in verse 42. And uh, the Lord in ended last, uh, in the last verse that we read and commented on in the previous study in verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? even because you cannot hear my word. And so the reason that they could not, could not understand what Jesus was saying was because uh, their ears were dull and not simply their, their physical ears. Uh, he's not talking about that, but uh, their, their spiritual hearing, uh, they could not understand, they could not hear uh, because of their depravity. And that's true of all of us. None of us can hear what the Holy Spirit says to us apart from his grace and giving to us ears to hear. Um, and, and that's due to the corruption of our whole nature through Adam, and uh, which brings about a total inability. A total depravity brings a total inability. And so, uh, we, we noted, uh, uh, as we read these verses <clears throat> earlier, that uh, Jesus speaks of their father, but he never clearly identifies it. For example, in verse 38, Jesus said, I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. He's, uh, he said that... They're simply following their father, but he's not clearly identified who their father is. He likewise had said uh, uh, in uh, one other place, if God were your father, you would love me, and uh, implying uh, you have a different father. Verse 41, ye do the deeds of your father. Again, he didn't identify who their father was, but there is clearly uh, an, an association and, and an identification with one who is their father. So in, in verse 44, which we're focusing upon this evening, clearly now the Lord Jesus uh, makes known to them who their father is. Ye are of your father, the devil. It couldn't have been uh, more clear than that. Um, and uh, so we want to address this matter in our study this evening, talk about what that means. And so the Lord Jesus is saying, you're not uh, either the spiritual children of Abraham and you're not the spiritual children of God, but you are uh, the spiritual children of the devil. Now, it's interesting because they were not devil worshipers. 
They didn't construct an image of, uh, of Satan, and uh, they didn't have um, a particular <clears throat> building in which there was an idol uh, set up in honor of Satan, and they went in and bowed down to the idol and worshipped Satan and prayed specifically by name to Satan. And yet, Jesus says to them, ye are of your father, the devil. Outwardly, they professed God. They professed to worship God. So in what sense were they of the devil? Well, Jesus says in verse 44, ye are of your father, the devil. Notice, the lust of your father, ye will do. So what is it that is of the devil? It's their lusts, or their, that's, that is their desires. It's their will. Notice in verse 44, Jesus says, and the lusts of your father ye will do. That's not, that's not talking uh, about uh, the word will there. It's not just uh, something in the future tense. You're going to do this, or you will do this in the future. It's actually the word will, um, to will something. Uh, and so their desires uh, are like that of the devil. Uh, their will, the decisions they're making, the choices they are making, are likewise that which are like the devil's. And Jesus says, thirdly, and the lust of your father ye will do their actions are like that of the devil therefore ye are of your father the devil your desires your will and your actions are like that of the devil's <clears throat> so in what way did their desires look like that of the devil. Well, they desired to do evil. They desired to do evil like the devil because they desired to murder Christ. And that's what the devil, those were his desires, to see Christ murdered. And so they desired to murder him and they desired to lie about him. Uh, Jesus, and we'll look at this in a moment, but Speaking of the devil, he was a murderer and he was a liar. And you want to murder me. And you uh, want and desire to lie about me. And so you have the same desires as your father or uh, your spiritual father. These were the same desires the devil had. Secondly, they willed. They willed by their corrupt and depraved will to do evil, like that of the devil. They willed, they not only desired, but they willed to murder Jesus when the time came. They willed to do so. They chose to do so. They wanted to do so, and then they chose to do so. And both to murder him and to lie about him. 
And so that's the second way in which they are of the devil. In verse 44, ye will, uh, ye choose. Uh, you see, in talking about the will, uh, our will as human beings, talking about the will, the will of each person follows his or her desires. It is always the case. Uh, we choose what we want. We choose what we desire. Our choices are, are such that they follow our desires. Even when it is not something that you would have uh, among your chief desires to do. You may have certain desires chiefly to do uh, and, and then lesser desires, uh, but basically no other human being can force you to do what you don't want to do. There certainly can be uh, physical force applied uh, for you to do what you don't want to do. But in the end, if you comply, you, you can't say that you were forced to do what you didn't want to do because you chose, you made a decision uh, to follow a desire to escape certain consequences. That was your choice. Uh, we can always say, I'm willing to suffer whatever consequences, um, and uh, that's a decision in matters related to faith that we uh, always have to face. Uh, regardless of the pressure that's applied against us, or the force, or even the torture. Uh, I'm not saying that myself uh, would be able any more than any of you to withstand uh, that type of force or pressure or torture. But when we do give in, we can't say the devil made us do it. It was still a decision we made. It was still something, therefore, that we desired our comfort to be free of those consequences more than suffering the consequences and standing for what is right and what is true, right? You understand that. It's still a decision. So again, even when we're in that situation of, of uh, feeling forced, pressured, tortured, we still are following our own desires when we make a, a choice or a decision. So even in those cases, which are more perhaps extreme, but I wanted to present the extreme uh, just to illustrate the point, we always follow our desires, okay? And so if that's true in the most extreme types of situations, how much more so it's true for 95% of the rest of our life? in which we simply follow our desires and we choose to do what we want to do.
We always choose certain consequences over other consequences based upon our desires at that particular point in time. So can those who are unregenerate unbelievers ever choose to do what is glorifying to God? Can they ever choose exercise their will to do what is glorifying to God? Well, not according to God, they can't. God says no, uh, they can't. Uh, If they are unregenerate unbelievers, uh, they can't choose uh, to do what is pleasing to God. They can only choose to do what are their desires. And their desires are not to glorify God. An unbeliever an unregenerate unbeliever doesn't desire to, to glorify God. And so therefore, um, they don't make those decisions. They do not make those choices. In John eight forty three, we just read it. Why Jesus says, why do ye not understand my speech even because ye cannot hear my word? You don't have the ability to hear my word. So if they don't even have the ability to hear and understand his word, his truth, they certainly don't have then the ability to make decisions, to exercise their will in such a way as to follow his truth. Likewise, in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, very familiar portion of God's word, but it speaks again of our total depravity and our total inability uh, in Adam. Uh, Not talking here about those uh, who uh, have been called by God's efficacious grace. We do have, again, uh, by God's grace, uh, a, a new nature and new desires, new will, and uh, we also uh, have a new obedience uh, that we did not have before. But notice what it says, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. So none even seeks after God. They don't have the desire and they don't have the will to seek after God. Verse 12, they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So their desires, their will, and their actions are depraved and they are unable in all of those ways Uh, to glorify God. Unregenerate unbelievers, uh, their desires are not focused upon glorifying God, but rather upon glorifying self. That's where all of their desires, even when even when uh, they serve others, unbelievers, even when they serve others, 
even when um, uh, they sacrifice for others, it's not in order to glorify God. Only those who are rescued and saved by God's grace, who have true and saving faith and trust in Jesus Christ, only they have the desire to glorify God. Um, in Hebrews 11, it says, uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So the unbeliever cannot please God. The unbeliever cannot seek a God. He does not or she does not have the desires for God. So we need to understand here again what really the situation is, the hopeless situation uh, for uh, an unbeliever if they remain in their unbelief. Uh, there is no hope for them in that unbelief. There's only hope in God. There's only hope in Jesus Christ and in his grace and in his mercy. And so the nature of the unregenerate unbeliever is wired to have the same evil desires and to have the same evil will as that of Satan. That's what Jesus is saying when he says they're of their father, the devil. Even though they don't explicitly, outwardly worship Satan, Jesus says they are of their father, the devil. That's what sin does uh, to fallen angels, uh, to Satan. Sin has that corrupting influence to corrupt their, all their desires, to corrupt their will, and to corrupt their actions. And so likewise, it has that same effect upon human beings as well. All of us who are in Adam, all of us who come from Adam, uh, the same thing. Not only is this true of angels, it's true of fallen mankind. It makes us self-serving, not God-serving. Whereas Christ makes us self-sacrificial in our service of God, first and foremost. And then we desire and will to serve others because our will has been inclined to him that's our that's our uh, chief desire is to please him and in pleasing him we will then and we act accordingly now we may not think through that process every time we do something uh, in the Christian life but that's again in the life of a Christian um, that's what characterizes. It's not that we can't do anything selfishly. Yeah, we, we can fall into that sin uh, of having evil desires, and we can fall into the sin of having an evil will, and we can fall into the sin of having evil actions. Uh, but uh, the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is that a Christian 
doesn't want to stay there, doesn't want to live there, doesn't want to be characterized by that because there has been new desires uh, that God has placed within a believer's heart, a new will and new obedience to follow his commandments. And so the Christian is, uh, is one who recognizes those evil desires and says, and recognize they're wrong, they're sinful, and that we can't stay there. We've got to do something. We've got to repent. We've got to mortify, uh, crucify uh, those evil desires and uh, that will and that, the, that, uh, those actions that are contrary to God's will. So Jesus again says, and the lusts, that's the desires, first of all, of your father ye will, that's, that's the um, will of man, the uh, decisions and choices that man makes, and then do, the last of those three, the lusts of your father ye will do. And so um, they manifest their likeness to Satan by way of their actions, their doing. They do what they do and they may not consciously be saying, I'm, I want to follow the devil, but in what they do, uh, they are following the devil. Uh, they are following Satan uh, because it's all about them. It's all about uh, their desires, their pleasures, all about their will to do their desires and pleasures. And we see that uh, realized uh, in their murder of Jesus Christ. Uh, these Jewish leaders, they desired to do so, they willed to do so, and then they did it. Um, they followed through with it. That's, that's what Satan uh, desired, willed, and wanted done. So they had, they were like their father in that regard. Um, and so they... And they, furthermore, um, are like uh, their father in that they lied about him. They lied about him both while he was alive, as far as his, um, uh, during his ministry. They accused him, even John 8, of being born of fornication. And uh, they, after his uh, death, when he was raised from the dead, they lied and said uh, he wasn't actually raised from the dead, but his uh, disciples came and stole the body. Uh, that they moved that huge stone from the mouth of, of that tomb uh, without awakening uh, all the soldiers, the many soldiers that were immediately uh, surrounding, protecting, and guarding uh, the tomb. 
and they lied. They told the 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 soldiers, "Go and go and tell um, uh, everybody that uh, the reason the body is gone is because his disciples disciples snuck in uh, while we were sleeping and stole the body." Now that was a uh, for a soldier, uh, a Roman soldier, that was uh, to receive the death penalty uh, to allow uh, one whom they were supposed to be guarding to escape, uh, that was something that they would ordinarily be put to death for. But the Jewish leader said, we'll, we'll go in and we'll make sure that nothing happens to you. Simply tell this lie. And so they were murderers like their father, the devil. They were liars like their father, the devil, as well. Neither the Jews nor any other person can escape this truth. If one is not of God, with the desires, the will, and the actions, that evidence that evidence, that spiritual relationship, then one is of the devil. There aren't any other options. Jesus here puts two clear camps. Every person is either in one camp of God or in the other camp of the devil. Even if they are outward professors of God, as were the Jews the religious leaders at that time. Either then your father is the devil or your father is God. And uh, we either bear the family likeness in our desires, our will, and our actions of the devil or we have the, uh, the family likeness of God. So these are the two possibilities that the Lord Jesus lays before us. Very sobering, uh, indeed, and deserving of the utmost uh, inspection uh, by way of asking ourselves, you know, very important questions. What about my desires? What about the... The, the choices and decisions I make? What about my actions? Are they characterized by being like those of Jesus? Or are they more characterized by being like those of the devil? And again, as I said, we can all at any point say, well, that desire or that choice or decision or that action was certainly more like the devil than like Jesus but again the Christian isn't content to be there the Christian isn't content to stay there the Christian recognizes is convicted by the Holy Spirit repents seeks the forgiveness of God renews obedience to the Lord God but one might say I have never desired to murder. I've never willed, chosen to murder, or I've never actually murdered anyone. 
I must not be of the devil. But Jesus explained in the Sermon on the Mount that to hate a person in your heart or to call someone a name in anger has committed this sin of hatred and of murder within one's own heart and soul. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22. Jesus said, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, which was a, uh, a name, something uh, defamatory, uh, shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in anger of hell fire. <clears throat> so how do you judge your own desires? Well, Jesus has taught us one way to judge our desires. Where is your treasure? He says in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart, that is your desires, be also. And so to ask yourself again, what is what are my treasures? What are those things that I am unwilling, that they are so important that I cannot give up and I will not give up by God's grace. And other things that we might have to give up if God calls us to may not be something that we would uh, voluntarily do, but nevertheless, because God is our Father and controls all and He knows what's best for us, he may take from us things that we value very highly, relationships or things of this world in some way. But if those are more important than Jesus Christ, more important than the truth, more important than God's commandments, more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ, more important than than sacred scriptural covenants that we have made, then it tells us where our desires truly are. And if your desire is to love Christ above all, you will decide and commit yourself, you'll exercise your will then to obey him if that is your supreme desire. You will exercise your will to follow him. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that is even realized, keeping God's commandments. It's even realized when we break his commandments, when we violate and sin against him, we keep his commandments by repenting. We keep his commandments by seeking his forgiveness. We keep his commandments by renewing our obedience to follow him. 
that is showing that we love the Lord, even when we sin against him. So this is a very sobering truth for us all. A true believer, as we've said, is not perfect in his or her desires, will, or actions, but a true believer will desire, will, and act to mortify sinful desires, a sinful will, and sinful actions. Jesus declares that the devil was a murderer from the beginning in verse 44. He was a murderer from the beginning. How was uh, the devil a murderer from the beginning? Well, he was an accomplice in the murder of Adam and Eve, spiritually speaking. And even physically, because it brought about their, their physical death as well. And so he was a murderer from the beginning. Um, this did not uh, remove the culpability and responsibility of Adam and Eve. Uh, as I said, the devil did not make them do it. They chose to do so. Uh, but he was an accomplice uh, to their murder. Uh, but they were responsible for, in effect, self-murder, uh, committing spiritual suicide by way of their sin, as well as the murder of their posterity, that likewise, by, way, by virtue of original sin, are conceived and born uh, spiritually dead. They physically die, and apart from God's grace, they eternally die in hell. And I don't mean they cease to exist, but it, there's a separation. That's what death is, it's a separation. Spiritual death, separation by way of uh, communion with the Lord, separation that communion with God, uh, being dead to God. Physical death, separation of the soul from the body and, and eternal death. Uh, being a separation uh, from God forever um, and no hope of ever uh, being uh, united to the Lord, no hope uh, of ever being forgiven, no hope, total hopelessness. The devil was also a murderer from the beginning by being an accomplice to the murder of righteous Abel. Uh, though Cain again was responsible for his own sin, he couldn't say, well, the devil made me do it and be free of all of his responsibility. Nevertheless, in 1 John 3.12, we see again that uh, Satan was an accomplice says, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Why did he slay his brother? He was of that wicked one. He was acting and showing the character of that wicked one, namely the devil.
the devil and all fallen angels uh, are corrupt, uh, just like we have spoken with regard to mankind. They are corrupt in their desires, totally corrupt in their desires, in their will, and in their actions. But it's not only that you, Jesus says you're like your father, you're of your father, the devil, uh, because he was a murderer from the beginning, but also an abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So the, the Jewish leaders, the Lord Jesus is saying, you, you not only have the desires, the will, and once the time is right to act upon those desires uh, to murder me, meaning Christ, uh, but likewise you're like your father, the devil, because you uh, walk in the errors, you walk in the lies of the devil as well. You desire, you will, and you act according to lies and not according to the truth. In Matthew chapter 12, uh, Jesus makes clear that our words express the desires of our heart. And that's why we must be ever so careful about our words because uh, we're making clear. Uh, even if we go back and say something like, well, I didn't really mean that. Well, you wouldn't have said it if you didn't mean it. Um, and so you may be sorry you said it. You may regret that you said it. You may even repent of having said so. But to say, I didn't mean it is itself not true. Um, you, you did mean it at that point in time. You were angry. You may have said things in anger that you wouldn't say otherwise, but again, when you were angry, you did mean what you said. Jesus says uh, in Matthew 12, uh, verses 34 through 37, <clears throat> O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? Notice what he says. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So the heart tells, the, the desires of the heart, that which is in the heart, are revealed by our words. Jesus says. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account of thereof uh, in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So uh, Jesus is showing the importance here of our words. Now, if every idle word is going to be judged, how much more words that are lies, outright lies? An idle word isn't necessarily a lie. It's just a, a word that 
really profit, does not profit, it does not build up, it does not edify, it's not useful. It's vanity, it's foolishness, an idle word. And so if those idle words are going to be judged, how much more the words that are filled with lies and errors um, are going to be judged on that, on that day. And so again, uh, the importance of our words. Jesus makes very, very clear uh, how those words reveal the abundance of that which is in our heart. When Jesus calls the devil here a liar and the father of it, uh, Jesus is probably taking us back to the original lie of Satan in the Garden of Eden where you recall that Satan said to Eve, uh, ye shall not surely die if she partook of the fruit. Clearly that was a lie in Genesis 3-4. And so he's the father of lies. That was, the, that was the first lie that was told and he has continued to perpetuate those lies ever since. When we tell a lie, um, we are being dishonest. Uh, when we make up things that did not actually happen, uh, we are lying. When we misrepresent what did happen, uh, we are lying. When we pass along a report that we cannot confirm is true, we are lying. We are lying. Only that which we know, again, and can pass along as being a true report, and there might be other things that could go along with, with uh, uh, that, by whether it's edifying or not, but um, uh, but unless we can confirm that it is not a lie, then we shouldn't, for any reason, be spreading and telling it and sharing with anybody else um, and uh, in our own heart. We shouldn't be believing that because that is a lie to spread that type of a report that we cannot confirm to somebody else. In all these ways, we are acting like the devil, who is the father of lies. When we really begin to understand what Jesus is saying here, do we want to, you know, what Christian, what true Christian wants to, wants to have the desires of the devil? What true Christian wants to have the, the, the will and make the decisions of the devil or to act like the devil? Again, a true Christian may fall into certain sins, but that's not where they're going to stay. That's not where their heart truly is. A lie, dear ones, is to state that which is contrary to the truth. It's impossible. We read in uh, Hebrews 6.18, it's impossible for God to lie. 
It's impossible. Uh, in Titus 1, 2, it says, he cannot lie. So if God cannot lie, and if it's impossible for God to lie, then do we ever have the freedom to do what God himself cannot morally do? Do we ever have the freedom to lie if, God, if it's impossible for God to lie? And I dare say we do not ever have the freedom to speak contrary to the truth. False doctrine, false worship, false church government, whatever is contrary to sound doctrine to the commandments of God are all lies because they are not agreeable to the truth of Jesus Christ. There are times when we must, for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the truth and for the sake of those who are peddling lies, speak the truth in love against the lies being promoted as Jesus himself does here. Even at times, and probably most of the time, even when it offends others. But if we are speaking the truth in love, because we love Christ, because we love the truth, and because we are, are uh, loving that individual, wanting the best for that individual, seeking the best for that individual, then, again, we have to understand that correcting lies is going to be offensive to people. But uh, it's something, as Christians, that we must do, uh, especially uh, when uh, the lie is demonstrably contrary uh, to God's holy word and has the effect of in influencing others to believe that lie and to follow that lie. So for the sake of true love, even if it offends, we must not be indifferent to errors, to false doctrine, false worship. God help us, God help us to be those who desire, who will, and who do the truth even, even when we ourselves are weak, when we are frail, when we feel inadequate, when we know that probably what we're going to hear is, well, aren't you the hypocrite? Have you ever sinned? Have you ever failed? Have you ever uh, held an error? And again, we can almost count on that type of response, right? But uh, because none of us are perfect and sinless, and yet God calls us to correct errors, to be like Jesus, not like the devil who... Uh, just promotes errors 
But to be like Jesus, it means, yes, we may have to hear about our hypocrisy, but the proper response is to say, yes, I'm a sinner. I have failed. But I also, by God's grace, recognize that I cannot continue in sin or in my errors, that I must repent, I must desire what is, what is right, what is good, and I must choose to do what is right and good, and I must do it. And so again, um, the, the protest against us that uh, we're hypocrites to point out uh, sins and errors of others uh, basically means that uh, we cannot be like Jesus Christ, uh, who, whose example we are to follow. Um, there is a way to do it. We don't do it proudly. We don't do it haughtily, arrogantly, uh, but we can humbly uh, take a stand for the truth and correct errors. And one last application, and this is much more personal, but very important. Uh, don't learn to lie to God or to yourself that your soul is well if it's not. Be honest, be transparent, learn to be honest and transparent before God. There's no downside to being honest and transparent before God. He sees your heart anyway. He sees my heart anyway. And so therefore to try to hide something from God is to make a mockery of God and who he is. But to be honest before him is to say, yes, Lord, I have blown it again. I have sinned against thee. But I'm confessing. I'm acknowledging it. God delights in that. God delights when we are broken and contrite before him. And he will not push us away. He will receive us as we approach him in that manner, simply to confess what he already knows. It's the best way that I know that we can learn to be honest with one another is to begin by being honest with God. When we are honest with God, when we do not tell lies to God, it's much more likely that the fruit of that is going to be that we won't tell lies to one another, that we'll be honest with one another as well. So learn to be and pray that you will be honest before God because that will, again, by God's grace, by God's blessing, will lead you to be honest with one another, uh, to be a, a man, a woman, a child of truth who loves truth and despises, despises lying, despises being dishonest. God help us. God grant us grace and he will as we turn to him. Please stand with me in prayer.
Our Father, Thou art a God of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Thou, our God, cannot lie. It is impossible for Thee to lie. May we, our God, likewise hate and despise lying. May we, our Lord, be lovers of the truth. And as Jesus was willing uh, to correct uh, those who spoke that which were, were lies, uh, Lord, may we as well be given thy grace to speak the truth in love, to correct in love for the good of the other person, not again to set ourselves up to be better than others, but for the good of the other person and to glorify thee, to promote Christ and his truth. We pray, Lord, guide and direct us, humble us, our Lord, before thee. In Jesus' name, amen. Any questions, comments from our study this evening?